We know that who we are has a significant influence on the leaders we become. Truly transformational leadership, therefore, requires a level of self-evaluation, personal growth, and an ability to actively engage and empower those with whom we work. But do we know how to transform ourselves and our companies? That is at the heart of our discussion today and is exactly why I decided to have our guest, Michael Quinlan, a man who's been passionately pursuing personal, professional, and leadership growth and transformation for years. Michael's a regional vice president of sales at SAP. He's completed a master's program for SAP's leaders in London, where he studied and researched this very topic. He went on to publish, What Does It Take to Transform? And he's here today to share his findings along with his personal and leadership journey. You're going to get some insight into the obstacles he found to creating real transformation in the corporate culture, along with some ways that you as a leader can begin creating change effective immediately. This is whether you lead a small team or an entire organization. We must always be self-evaluating how it is that we grow and serve others. This is a real conversation with a true leader who is doing the work. Hello, I'm Rita Hyland, and you're about to discover what it means to position your business, career, and life to play full out. This show explores the way leaders just like you embrace and achieve their ambition without working harder or grinding it out any longer. So if you want to take your life, business, or career to a playing full out status and do so while being the happiest high performer in the room, then hang with me because this show shares everything you need to know using the best of neuroscience, transformational psychology, and a bit of spiritual wisdom to help you change fast, even when it's uncomfortable or scary, or you failed to do so in the past. All this so that you can enjoy more freedom and prosperity in your business and life. I'm happy you're here. Today, I'm extremely excited to introduce to you our very special guest, Michael Quinlan. Michael is a regional vice president of sales at SAP. He's a transformational leader, a father, and a man I've had the pleasure of knowing for several years now. Michael has been passionate in his own pursuit of personal development and growth for years. Beyond being mentored and coached, he's attended the SAP Master's Program for Leadership in London. And recently, as part of that, he did research, which resulted in publishing a paper on transformational leadership called What Does It Take to Transform? I've asked Michael to be with us today to share a bit about his personal transformation, his leadership transformation, along with sharing what he's learned and sees leaders can do to evolve themselves and those they serve. Michael, welcome. Thank you very, very much. Thank you for being here. I am excited to have everybody get to meet you. I was realizing when I was giving thought to this that we have been connected or known each other since I think 2015. Am I right? 2016? That sounds right. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. The years go by. And I've always appreciated your openness, your willingness to consider things from a different vantage point, even if it might step on the toes of things you have done before, or if it humbles your ego. And I've just appreciated you're also very fast to try new things out. You know, you get an idea and you're like, okay, I'll go see if it works. And I just wanted to tell you that I really appreciate and I admire that about you. And I think that's one of the things that makes you such a tremendous leader and has sort of begun your path in the direction that you've gone, which we'll tell everybody about in a second here. But 
Can you tell the audience a bit about your path and what led you to doing some of the work that you're doing now and what interests you? Absolutely. And thank you so much for having me. This is going to be a lot of fun. So one of the things that I realized in preparing for this is I look back on my past and it's going to sound crazy to say, but you know, I've been in sales for 26 years and in my path to being in sales, I've carried a bag, which I guess that means I'll have to translate some of my sales lingo here. As my wife sometimes tells me is I have been an individual contributor or an account executive for 21 of those years and a leader for the past five years. And um, you could say with that history, it's like, well, it seems like you always wanted to be in sales and not the case. I remember growing up watching episodes of 30 something and being super interested in, in the creative aspect of advertising and commercial art. And I just said to myself, okay, I'm gonna dive deep into that. And so I went to college to go do that. And as it turns out, I learned a little bit about the income and the career path uh, if I was to go down that road. And it just wasn't enough for me. So I decided, well, I'm going to go into marketing. And it seemed like a safer path with more options. And then it wasn't until I had my class with a professor in professional sales that all of a sudden it was like, okay, light bulb went off. This is my career path. I knew it in my bones. Like, this is what I wanted to do. It, it gave me that ability to be creative. It allowed me to have control over the income. I get to work as hard as I want and make as much as I want. And, you know, I, I had been in sports my entire life. So I'm used to a game clock. I'm used to when a game starts and ends and I like competing. And it was like, oh my gosh, sales is where I need to be. So that's, that's how I arrived at uh, sales. And this has uh, been my journey to get there. That's excellent. You mentioned that you have been in sales for a long time, but the, only the last five years has been as a leader. And I'm curious what has supported you in even your involvement in it. You know, you mentioned at some point that there had come a point in being a sales manager that you started having doubts about how to help someone who was already an expert or a leader who did need help. I'm curious, what has been your experience for the last five years in leadership and that's been noticeable to you? Yeah, no, that's great. So I guess what I'll say is like my journey into leadership was something that I really never had intended. I'll give you a little bit of background as to how I got into leadership and then, you know, what that, that experience has been like so far. So I remember for the first 20 years of my sales career, people would ask me, they're like, hey, are you interested in management? And I would politely say, I'm interested, but not at this time. Thank you. And I had always envisioned myself as being this salesperson who would make their career out of taking down big deals and never go into management. It just seemed like I had more control over that aspect of my career. But something happened. You know, obviously, it was about six years ago. I decided that maybe this is something that I want to explore. And I think it was because of three things. The first thing was I had accomplished all of the goals I wanted to accomplish as an individual contributor. I can continue going on and doing that, but I started to get the itch for something else. And I think there was a couple of things that started to create that is I really like the company that I'm at. I'm looking around and I'm saying to myself, there are a number of people here that I could actually help. I'm looking at them saying, I know how to do the role and I think I can help them. 
And then the third thing that kind of started to come together was I was coaching a lot of my kids' sports, and I really enjoyed watching them mature and progress over time. I really enjoyed that part of my life and coaching them. So I kind of said to myself, well, if I could integrate coaching into my leadership style, then, you know, maybe I want to do this. So I raised my hand. I said, okay, I'm ready to lead. So as I got into leadership, I noticed that what happened about the first nine months is I hit a wall. The training that we received was minimal at best. It was mostly around the operational aspect of sales. And it was sales forecast and quotas and things of that nature. There was never any development around what it takes to lead and motivate and develop a team. So my leadership style, since I really didn't have one, it was just imitating you know, what I had seen from leaders that had been over me in the past. So it was just this Frankenstein style of leadership that I did my best with. And then at that wall that I talked about, I, I realized I had hit because, you know, for the people that I knew I could develop them, they weren't responding to the coaching that I was giving them. Well, at least I thought I was coaching them. And then the, the people who were very good at their jobs didn't need a lot of coaching from me. They weren't performing like they were before. And so that's where it was like, oh my gosh, maybe I shouldn't be in management. And then, you know, I, I came across this email and it was an email for the SAP master's program. And I'm thinking, okay, what's this all about? And I read it a little bit further. It was master's in uh, leading sales transformation. And it was, you know, thankfully one of these things where I just stopped and I read the email from top to bottom and I just knew right then and there, I was like, okay, this speaks to me. I need to go and petition myself to get into this program. Awesome. And I think so many leaders today, they get into it because they've been excellent as an individual contributor and they obviously have the talent. But what I hear you saying is they and you didn't necessarily have the ability or the skill set to help individuals really at the root to motivate or to develop. And that so often we have this hand-me-down style of leadership that we're given and we're just trying to, you know, like through hypnosis, take it in or or sponge it up and we start throwing things about. So I think that's a very common experience for a lot of people who are good at what they do and are successful. And then all of a sudden find themselves in positions of leadership, but then feel themselves struggling because they don't know what they should be doing. And then, so interesting that perfectly timed as as life has it, you have the opportunity to go look at a new form, a transformational leadership. And so tell me a little bit about your experience, your insights, or the difference between the two. Yeah, no, what was interesting is that um, when I went to the program, I remember one of the leaders saying, you have to at least acknowledge what a transformation is. And that means you can't go backwards. And that was a scary thought because we did not know what we were getting into. And I just, that stuck in the back of my mind. And by the time I were halfway through it, we were doing the things that we were asked to do. And I'll talk about the program, just a little bit about what that experience was like, but it was like, I I knew right then and there, it's like, there was no way I could ever go back to being the way that I was a leader before. It was amazing like how much we changed and the effectiveness of it. I think it really came in a couple of parts. And that is 
it was a neat program where we got to get together with my cohort was 12 people from all over the world. And I got to learn about leadership styles in different countries and different cultures. And it really started to open up my eyes. So not only did I get the influence of my peers, but I also got the more growth minded, you know, how to develop and coach people theories and strategies from this class. So we, we did that, we got together and then we went back into our teams and applied it. And it was like, there is no faking it. You had to do it. You had to write a master's level paper when you were done. You couldn't wing it. You couldn't fake it. It really caused the acceleration of development, not only because um, you put it into practice, you were accountable for documenting how you did, but you weren't doing it alone. I felt like we were at a safe place with a cohort who was also going through these changes. You know, there was a lot of communication back and forth about, did you try this? What did you think? And, you know, so I think the the actual discipline of doing it, being held accountable to do it, and then having a, a safe place in which to actually share those darkest innermost thoughts that you think that you're the only one who possesses. As a result of that environment, that is by far the most influential thing that has accelerated my leadership. That's excellent. Two things I wanted to ask. First of all, we got to back up and say, what is transformational leadership? And if you can define that briefly. Also, can you share an example of perhaps your most scary, perhaps vulnerable or biggest mistake or just something that was like, wow, this is really out of my box in terms of the way I used to do it and what they're asking me to try right now. The way I would describe transformational leadership is it is absolutely showing up in front of your team with trust and with vulnerability in order for somebody to feel like they can transform you really have to do it yourself first. And so what does that mean? It meant in our course, we really had to, I would say, take ourselves down to the studs and say, what is it that truly motivates you? What is it that you really define as success? What is it that you are passionate about in your career right now that you want to share with others? And you have to build yourself up, build yourself up from that perspective. And when you do, you walk into the interactions that you have with your people with a different frequency. And what I mean by that is they could see that you're true to your word, you're walking the walk and you're talking the talk and the things that you believe you have this call it like a tuning fork. Like when, you, when you're around people who are just really confident in their own skin, you can recognize it. You feel like, okay, this is a person who is confident and I could trust and they're willing to go with me on this journey. So first of all, transformational leadership is doing the leadership yourself. And then it's showing up with your team and really digging deep with them. One of the biggest concerns that I have leading to one of your questions is like, this means I'm really going to have to dig in with my people and hold them accountable for the commitments that they've never been held accountable for before. And it feels like micromanaging. But what I learned and even doing some surveys after the fact is they said it showed that you cared. You showed up, you knew exactly what we were supposed to do. And the fact that we talked about it, like, did I do it? 
no, you didn't do it. Well, why didn't you do it? And so that's part of the transformational leadership is that you really have to show that you care. You have to build that trust. You have to be disciplined enough to go into the details of where people are, are struggling and peel back the layers. One of the things that I found out by doing this, as I said, I felt like it was micromanaging, but they came back and they said, you cared. One of the things they told me that I never would have suspected ever when I noticed that one of my employees, they weren't following up on the tasks that they told me that they could do and would do and understand how to do. They were humble enough to say, you know what? I just don't have the time management skills. Can you help me? Or they were humble enough to say, you know what? I don't know Excel. Can you help me? And as a result of doing that, man, the trust level goes up. The production goes up. You know, so it's, uh, I guess, transformational leadership is to try to sum it up. It's hard to describe, but you got to do the work yourself so that when you show up in front of your people and try to do the work with them, they feel that you have their back and you're a, you're a safe place to do it. Yes, that you have you know, from the ground up, it's the inside out approach, as they say, you know, you're not grasping at to do actions, but are asking them to go where you've gone. And that, you know, I always say you can't ask and you won't leaders will not ask other people to do what they haven't done because you don't want to be called out on your own stuff. And so it does, it takes being able to look at yourself, being able to challenge yourself so that you will challenge another person or ask the tough questions, you know, and your article, which we're going to get to in just a second, you mentioned peeling back the layers and that it was hard work and that part of the work, it has less to do sometimes with, you know, getting the the account or the stuff done at our work, but really like doing the inside job stuff. I'm curious because I know I asked too many questions in that one question after you said define it. Was there anything that you could share with us where I know you mentioned that your cohort and you were you know, points are like, oh boy, we got to go back now and do it and apply it. Was there any one thing that was, and you gave a little example there, but is it that was particularly scary that you approached or insightful that you could share another oh, example? Gosh. Yeah. The one example that we just struggled with constantly is where you're in a position and you know that you could help somebody, we had to bite our tongue and not to give them the answer. And that was the hardest thing to do in coaching is to not give the answer. And it's to hold a mirror and, and start to ask them questions that cause that reflection back in themselves. And because once you did that, then you could see the development come through. Then they owned the words that came out of their mouth. They owned the action because it, it came from within. So the, the coaching that I thought I was doing, I really wasn't. I was telling them what to do, and that's not coaching. Oh, my gosh. I love that. That is the difference between a boss and a coaching manager. It is that the person is not incapable. It's 90% of the time that they don't have the skill set or the ability Oftentimes it's because they're uncertain or they're insecure or they don't have the confidence in it. But by us giving the answer, we make them more insecure and uncertain. And in that, we are doing the exact opposite of what we are trying to do, which is to amplify them or elevate them. And in actuality, what we're doing is making them smaller and making them more committed to us. Oh my goodness. That's a big one. That's wonderful. I love that. Yeah. It takes away their power when you give them the answer. Absolutely. I'm sure that you saw the results or the benefits 
or what a game changer. Because I do think that a lot of managers think they have to have all the answers. Mm -hmm. And when really they just have to bring them out of the person themselves. And it doesn't happen overnight. (laughs) I still catch myself, wait a second, and, you know, start to ask questions instead of giving answers. Yeah. Let's shift a little bit to this fabulous paper that you have published, which was answering the question, what does it take to transform? You felt really called during your experience to talk and find a way to scale transformational leadership so that others could experience it too. But you felt compelled that you needed to maybe address some of the obstacles that you say to what would prevent us being able to do that in the workplaces. And you did a lot of research. Can you tell us more about maybe your selection of the topic, your journey to uncover the obstacles to transformational leadership in corporations? Yeah, no, absolutely. This was one of the topics that, you know, everyone was sweating over and during the master's program is what is my thesis going to be about? What should I possibly be doing? And thankfully, the instructors and the the group really kind of helped develop the right way to approach the problem. As you said, I was very moved by how it impacted me. All I kept saying to myself is, it, it is a crime that, you know, half a percent of the people at SAP are able to go into this program. I'm like, this is too good. This is the best training. How do we scale it? And so then, you know, they asked me to open up the aperture a little bit wider to look at the problem from a bigger perspective, and which was actually part of the program. It's in that they talked about the I, the we, and the greater we. And so we did that. And what we started to look at was, okay, well, what are the obstacles to transformational leadership inside of corporations? What can I do with my research that the greater we can benefit from? And so that was good. And because it took me on a, a journey, as you saw, it really helped me kind of bring those, those challenges, those obstacles to the forefront. And what I really noticed in my research was, and I'll talk about what some of those obstacles are, but what I noticed in the research when I got to the conclusion was, you know, these obstacles are not going to go away. If there's anything that I could do with my research for the greater good is just let's identify some of these obstacles that are there. Let's put them in the forefront so we can at least spot them. And if we're a decision maker in a corporation, let's at least hold ourselves accountable, each other, for when a transformational decision could be happening and why we might not be doing it. Is it because of this? Organizations all need to transform. But sometimes there's things that get in the way of us doing it. And if at least we could just say, hey, these are the obstacles. Are we not making this decision because of this? If not, is there a way that we can move through it? And some of the obstacles that I noticed in my research was um, the type of problem. Sometimes problems, they show up disguised as other types of problems that they outline were, you know, there's critical problems, there's tame problems, and there's wicked problems. And, you know, sometimes what happens in corporations is, you know, people tend to use the solution that works with a team problem on a wicked problem. And it doesn't work. When problems show up, they don't have a label that says, hey, I'm a wicked problem. You need to treat me differently. Mm -hmm. So that was one thing. The other thing that I saw in corporations is the hierarchical structures. It's necessary to run an organization, but it also impedes the ability for communication It also centralizes decision-making, which can make 
your ability to transform or recognize where you need to transform difficult. The third area where I saw was the psychology of decision-making. And this was interesting. In some of my interviews with uh, some of the executives at SAP, they were very forthcoming. And they said, you know what? When people look at whether or not they could transform, they look at their level of risk because they're putting themselves out there. The company itself is putting itself out there. So you really need to look at what the what the stage a company is in. Are they a startup? Are they established? You know, or you got to look at the the leadership skills of the leader, which that's the one I was just like, huh, that's a head scratcher, you know, because it's it really exposes sometimes where uh, people don't have transformational leadership skills and they shy away from things like that because it is perceived as too much risk. So by bringing these things to the forefront, like I said, I think they're going to be there. There's probably more, but just holding ourselves accountable for a reason why we might not be doing transformation, but we know it's the right thing to do. I thought at least that was my contribution. Yeah. I know you had these marked into three categories, these of obstacles. Can you speak to what those three were specifically? Mm -hmm. Yes. It's type of problem. Mm -hmm. It's corporate hierarchies, the organizational structure. And third is the perception of risk. Perception of risk. Okay, great. And so I know that throughout your article, you have great points of, you know, examples or quotes from some of the people with whom you spoke and things that were surprising, you know, that one might not think. And as you said, people were generous and forthcoming in their comments. What is one of the things that surprised you that was said perhaps the most shocking or insightful from some of the things said? There were a lot of different ones. I just wondered what was interesting to you. Um. One of the things that just was shocking is that it is okay to not transform. I found to be shocking and which is, I still kind of find to be disturbing because one of the things that I find passionate, one of the reasons why I look at and and chose this topic is because I really do feel, and not to sound so idealistic, but I think people in middle management positions can have a big impact on the world that we live in. You know, we sit in the middle between corporations that have enormous amounts of resources. And we sit, you know, uh, working with people who are on their own personal journeys and that can execute on these initiatives that can help the greater good. And, And when an organization is saying, I have the resources to actually do what you're saying we could do, but you know, we're just not in a position to transform. I found that a little disturbing. Mm, Yeah. I mean, do you feel like it's a cop-out or it's considered too much work? Is that the reason? I think it's kind of a little bit of both. And I think it's kind of like there's uh, people tend to stay in their lane sometimes. Got it. Mm -hmm. And maybe they look at and say, "We'll, we'll kick the can for the next management team. Or maybe this is something that a startup company should go after. Yeah. I can't criticize because I'm not in their shoes. But, you know, as a researcher, as I was looking at that and I could see the greater impact it can have. It just caused me to say, hmm, I wish there was something we could do about that. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you and I are both passionate about the topic. I mean, my reason for being is to build brigades of self-actualized leaders because I feel very confident and committed to the fact, as you were saying, that the corporate world and the leaders within it are so influential, whether the pragmatic, the dollars behind it, but also the volumes of people that they are 
able to touch and ripple out. I mean, people spend 66% of their day at the office. And a fact that just came out recently, Michael, I was reading a study that said that 3,400 people in January were surveyed and 70% of them said that their mental health is as influenced by their boss as it is by their spouse or partner. Mm. I mean, it's rich with the level of influence that we have to either unlock or unleash individuals, their ideas, their impact, and certainly that puts out the dollar and influence across, you know, globally. And I can't get over to your point how important it is for us as leaders, A, to acknowledge it, to also, as you have so well done in this paper, to recognize our obstacles in it. Because once you know something, you can, at least you can't acknowledge, if you don't can't acknowledge the problem, you can't fix it. Um, and then going back to your very first part, it's like making the decision of what do I want to be a part of? You know, What's worth the struggle that it is that we know our days are at times? What do we want it to mean at the end? What are we there for beyond just getting our paycheck? Mm-hmm. Right. I just find that very fascinating that, yes, your point about some don't opt for transformation. And that's you acknowledge that they are where they are in the process or in their journey. And sometimes it is to your point. It's it's like this is the way we've done it. We're staying in our lane. This isn't worth the risk for me personally and professionally. So it takes someone who has done some of the deep work, you know, use maybe a different process to decision making to at least ripple out further or to question it a little bit longer. And I find all of those things in the process interesting. No, you bring up a good point and sorry to interrupt, but I, I think it's an opportunity to practice transformational leadership when you are passionate about something. So if that person is not in a position to take that risk in a professional way, find out, you know, how can you be that person that can act on that person's behalf to go take that risk? You know, so there's, put it this way, I don't give up easy. So if there is something like that and I could see somebody, I, I guess that I would be following my own advice is to be curious and ask why. Yeah. What advice do you have for someone who's listening and maybe relates to your personal story or where you're at in your level of leadership, whether they're evolving or established, and they are A, interested in doing some of their own personal transformational work, and then being able, well, let's separate it, personal transformation first. Like, what do you advise? What are the things you advise there? And then I'll let you finish that question. Yeah, yeah. So the personal transformation, the first thing that I'll say that it takes some discipline to do it. But when you do uh, do the work, the results are just amazing. And you know, you can talk yourself out of doing work. If you're doing the real work, you're holding yourself accountable for those beliefs or thoughts that are in your mind, right? You have to look them in the face and say, is this really what I believe in? Because if you don't, it's going to show up like you're an imposter and people can sniff that out a mile away. And so doing that work, you know, doing that discipline and looking at yourself in the mirror, you got to do it and it's worth it. Uh, the second thing is self-doubt. You know, that's one of the things that I learned about doing the work is, you know, I would ask myself, is it going to resonate with my team if I do this? And chances are, if it resonates with you and you believe in it, people will follow you because guess what? They probably feel the same thing too. 
Amen. There's something that's like what's most general is most prevalent. And yes, that we, for some reason, doubt that anybody else is having these experience. I have been doing my work personally. And then also in this professional world where I talk to and get under the hood with people and really do some of, as you call it, the work. And every single person feels the same way. And I, I know one of the things I said when I was younger is I was like, there's this magic age where we all pull it together. We all know everything <laughs> and we all have no self-doubt. And it just doesn't happen. What I recognize is like that was one of my biggest myths. And that as long as we are testing our edges or challenging ourselves or you know, going to build something, an experience or an achievement we haven't had before, it will be there. And so it is universal. And our willingness to be the pioneer, the vulnerable one to expose ourselves, then that makes other people more confident in doing it themselves. But it does take courage. It takes guts. It takes a desire because it's not always pretty. It's messy in the middle, but you are right. I will say that those who begin it say, I could never go back to the way it was. And on the other side is freedom that they define most often that they never had before a freedom of you know lesser levels of self doubt of, of being able to show up at and to know their edges because i do think at the end of the day the saddest and the hardest end to our life will be that we ever wondered what would have happened what could have happened what should have happened and that is a more painful experience than us going forward i was grateful in my day that somehow sitting in corporate america i got introduced to what I think now would be called transformational leadership and personal growth and really like being called on the carpet on things by mentors and coaches because it rocks your world, it changes your world. And every time you become a little bit more of yourself, you step up and use more of your power and for good. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's needed. What I see in the workforce is um, as a leader, I don't see a lot of people taking risks or having patience. As a result, I'm seeing a lot of people being frustrated and unfulfilled in their careers. And, you know, I don't know if it's just because of, you know, we live in a world where there's instant gratification and you can always escape to your online world. I don't know if it's because of that, or I just remember the early stages of my career, there, there weren't any of those distractions. And it really, it caused you to face those things that you weren't getting in your life or you are where you wanted to be. There was no distraction. So you had to do something about it. And there was more risk taking. And so I, I just I see the workforce today and I think they could use it. Yeah. Absolutely. I was dividing those questions before and one was what would you do on the personal? And you said dig in and do the work and you know find someone or a process to process that stuff, your life, you know, get your inner game advantage. What would you give as practical advice for someone who's listening who, again, they're either emerging as leaders or they are established and they are curious about some practical tip or action that they could take to be, bring more of that to their team immediately? What are those? Yes, of course. I just demonized all social media and web things, and but but now you can leverage them. So there, there are so many different spokes, people that are looking at personal growth and development and transformational leadership. As a leader, I would say is start uh, sharing some of the podcasts, TED Talks, books. You're bound to find somebody that your team will feel a connection with. 
And if you could, I'll, I'll call it, take over the airwaves for your people, you know, in that space where they might be going to do something else to distract them from, you know, where they're not getting the results they want in their career, start flooding them with some of these things that other spokespeople are talking about in terms of personal growth and start sharing those, have people share ideas about them. Thankfully, there's plenty out there and there's plenty ways to, uh, to digest it. Yeah, that's an excellent idea. Besides creating your own university, supporting others and creating theirs and their opportunity for growth. Absolutely. Is there any one thing that you want to make sure that people know, maybe it was an aha, a light bulb moment, that if you had one chance at the end of your life to say what was the most meaningful or most important thing, like what would you want people to know? I'll say two things. One is people will meet you halfway. Mm. And what I mean by that is when you risk take from a genuine place and you bring yourself into a situation, that energy that you're bringing into it, people will meet you halfway. You don't have to be perfect. The second thing I'll say is advice that I received from you is TFAR, thoughts, feelings, actions, and results. I'm an analytical person. And I always thought that I had to have everything figured out before I can go on and do the other things. And I had things in the wrong order. And if you do take the time to do the work and you ground yourself in the things that mean something to you, and you, you, know, you have those thoughts and feelings, the actions that you will take are very easy to do because you've already convinced yourself and envisioned yourself, you know, that Simon Sinek uh, golden circle, right? That example is great. It's just, it's anyway, the results will come when you start to put yourself in a mind frame like that. So thank you. Oh, I owe that to you. That, I think everything that you have really said, and what I'm hearing is, has a lot to do with creating the identity, you know, being that person who is, and it starts from the inside out. It starts from your thoughts. It starts from expanding yourself individually, and therefore you're able to influence others. And I love that you say, when just put yourself out there, others will meet you. They do. People are yearning for those who are the humble confidence and that they believe what you see in them. And, you know, they want someone who isn't just staying within the lines and following the rules, but they need examples of it because we don't have a lot of examples of that. And that is what leadership is. It's being an example before it's easy at times, um, saying things that could be unpopular and that are outside the status quo or ruffle feathers. But you're right. People are are yearning for that, I feel. And I just, I think in our workplaces, it's we have a profound opportunity to make such significant differences. And with more and more people like you with looking for ways to scale it, and this is your, the first step, and there's so much more in this article that I will make sure is in the show notes for people to read. You'll want to read this article at that in this paper that he wrote. One has been summarized, and then we can give a more expanded version. But fabulous information for leaders today. And even if it's going to take Michael, I always said a lifetime to see it, it's still worth it. You know, Martin Luther King, he didn't see it in his lifetime, but if you're wise big enough and your passion's there, it's worth it. It's so, um, I appreciate you spending this time with us. I know this has been truly helpful to our audience and they'll get more of this from your writings. Is there anything else that you want to end with or say? No, I couldn't agree with more of the journey. It, it is the journey, not the destination. Thank oh, 
Yes. Well, I appreciate you. You are a role model and someone I truly admire and am inspired by as well. And so I thank you so much. Thank you. Okay. Be well, my friend. You too. Thank you for being with me today. By you listening to this, it tells me you're interested in growing yourself and likely not just for yourself, but to positively influence others as well. If you enjoyed this podcast, go ahead and share this with your friends and colleagues. When leaders like you grow yourself and then grow others, we all are positively impacted. If you have questions, I'm here to answer them and may even use them in our upcoming podcasts. Go ahead. You can send those questions to Breakthrough at RitaHighland.com. Remember, a half version of you is not enough. The world needs the full version of you at play. I look forward to seeing you on our next podcast.